This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Welcome back to Love of the Star. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. That is the radio flagship home of your Dallas Cowboys. Joined, as always, by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout, Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, Monday through Friday, 2 to 7 p.m. Central on 105.3 The Fan. He is also the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network and uh, preseason color analyst alongside the radio legend Brad Sham. Brian, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well, Robert. Welcome back to the fight uh, <laughs> after a very, very uh, tough uh, weekend there in Green Bay. It was a very tough weekend in Green Bay. And, you know, we we, we mentioned how on Monday how Mike McCarthy talked about that there was a lot of red ass and there, and there was a lot of yeah. Uh, you know, Boudreaux's butt pace works yes, really good for that stuff. It does uh, a lot of uh, a lot of consternation, a, lo- a lot of friction. I think after the game, um, and, and they were an unhappy group of players. And we got into the locker room here on Wednesday, and I don't know that they were any happier. So, so just pulling back the curtain a little bit. Here's the way the Cowboys schedule normally works: Mike McCarthy talks at ten thirty on a practice day, typically. Then around 11.30 or noon, depending on the day, we go out to practice. 1, 1.30, we go into locker room. So we're catching these guys coming off the practice field and stuff like that. Today, the situation was the locker room was open at 11, and Mike McCarthy spoke at 3, and practice was 4.15, and we were initially allowed at that practice, and then we were not. It became a walkthrough practice, not a full practice, and it was one that we weren't allowed to be at. Um so it's interesting because whenever the locker room's open at 11, it kind of defeats the purpose of locker room because a lot of guys aren't even in the building yet. They don't, if, if practice is until four, a lot of them aren't coming in until a little bit later. And so when somebody's in there, it's always kind of a miracle. And uh, when they are in there, they don't seem particularly like they want to talk at that time. That's why I think it's so significant that one of the guys who was in there and one of the guys who had a lot to say today, Brian, was J. Ron Curse, who is one of their big leaders on that side of the ball. Um, when they lost him after Tampa Bay, uh, Dan Quinn referred to him as like, hey, the offense lost their quarterback, we lost ours. And so Dan Quinn thinks that J. Ron Curse is sort of the the quarterback of the defense, and, and he's been really impressive for them uh, ever since he got here last year. And he is a guy who, on the practice field, in the locker room, on the sideline, whatever, he is a lot of times holding guys accountable. He's, he's, you know, patting them on the back when they do good too, but J. Ron Curse is, is holding a lot of these guys accountable when they mess up. And so it was significant to hear him talk today. Uh, and, and we got a couple clips here that I think are really interesting. The first one here, Brian, J. Ron Curse on how can the run defense be repaired? Everybody just has to do their job. You know, not try to do too much. Just do your job. You know, if we, if every, every single individual does their job, we'll take care of the run. How can y'all work on that? It sounds big, even though obviously you each know what your job is. I couldn't tell you. It's, it's just every individual. That's something that 
you know, as an individual that's on that that's on the field on that particular play, you know, if you lock in on your job and just do your job, the same thing you do every week in practice, then it'll take care of itself. I can't really elaborate on how we can get it done as a unit. You know, it's all individual. You know, if one guy's not in this gap, uh, these backs in this league are going to find that gap. So, uh, you know, you just have to do your job. If you're a force, force. You know, if you a linebacker and you have to shoot the gap, shoot the gap. You know, you're an edge defender and you have to hold the edge, do that. You know, you know, that's all it really boils down to is just 11 guys doing their individual jobs. I think that's a really interesting way to put it from J. Ron Curse because a lot of times when you hear players talk about the unit, it's about, you know, oh, us as a group, us as a group. This was different. This is J. Ron Curse essentially saying we're a unit until one guy doesn't do his job. Then we're not a unit anymore. Like, like that's the whole point is that it's got to be 11 guys moving in the same direction. Uh, not literally, obviously, but but 11 guys handling their business to make sure the defense functions. And if one guy is out, uh, you know, freelancing, if one guy's out of position, if one guy's not doing his job, all of a sudden it becomes 11 individuals doing things and none of it makes sense. It's it's not a cohesive unit. So I thought that was a really interesting point there, Brian. What, what was your take on, in general, his uh, observations of the defense? I could listen to J. Ron Kirst talk football all day. Yeah, The way great. he just described it. Um, he didn't call out players. He called out positions. He called out the defensive ends. He called out the linebackers. He called out the safeties. And he called out the corners. Everything that you and I have been talking about on this podcast for weeks, and Bobby, let's be honest, it goes all the way back to Tampa. Yeah. You know, when Tampa without, you know, they've played two Hall of Fame quarterbacks this year in Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, and neither one of them had to go win the game. You know, they made throws, but neither one of them had to go win the game because you weren't good enough, uh, weren't good enough on offense scoring, but you weren't good enough uh, playing run defense. You know, the Tampa game was felt like it was lost because you allowed Leonard Fournette to have like 128 yards rushing to start the thing. And, you know, we've seen it. This doesn't just go back to the Bears game. Yeah, they've, they've had – Teams have had some success. They've done a great job of making teams have to throw the football. Mm-hmm. And but the running the running game has been a part of this, or the lack of defending the running game has been a part of the season. And uh, Kirst did a great job. He told you when the ends do not play their technique, when the ends do not twist when they're supposed to twist, when the ends do not leverage a tight end or a tackle or hold the point or a linebacker doesn't shoot the gap because he's late getting over there because he ran behind a block to get there or a safety doesn't see it well enough and come down fast enough to fill uh, to, to make a difference or you have a corner that gives ground, gives ground, gives ground and gets gets knocked out of the play. See, those are all things that Curse is talking about, and he's absolutely right. When you watch the All-22, and there's a lot of Cowboy fans out there that get the All-22 from the NFL and uh, .com, and you sit down and you can see it. With your own eyes, you can see the issues and the problems that this team has. Uh, it's Sometimes it's physical problems, but a lot of times it will be not doing what you're supposed to do, and that comes down to the scheme. Like I said, if they're asking you to twist, twist. If they're asking you to stunt, stunt. If they're asking you to fill, fill. 
all those things he said are one of the are the reasons why they're not playing very good run defense right now. Whenever they talk about whether it's Micah Parsons or J. Ron Curse or anybody else talking about guys freelancing, yeah, do you think that's a hero ball? Is what we call it. So, so hero, hero ball hero, is that yeah. guy, is that guy's like like when Dante Fowler doesn't twist? Is that Dante Fowler deciding on his own? I'm going to do this instead, or is that a guy missing an assignment? Uh, like, like what that's, is that's, No, that's about? missing an assignment. That That is maybe a guy that on that particular stunt that he didn't get to practice that week. Maybe maybe that was something that Dorrance Armstrong practiced. Maybe when they ran that twist or practiced that twist, it wasn't, it wasn't Fowler. It was, you know, it was, like I say, it was Armstrong. It was Basham. It was somebody else that got to practice that twist stunt because clearly you watch what happens on the other side. They're running a twist. Mm-hmm. They're double twisting is what they're doing. You don't run a, you don't run a defensive tackle out of that gap and make that gap that wide. If you're not doing something back inside there, that that's just, you know, and, and Quentin Bohannon, you know, uh, Eric Chiafalo, who we work with, uh, you know, 105.3, the fan, you know, Eric tweet, tweeted out like Bohanna question mark and Bohanna after the game said it's a stunt mm-hmm. and but it, it wasn't a completed stunt it was he did his job Fowler didn't do his and it's it's very similar to when you put people in situations and Dan Quinn's very very good at doing this putting the people in the right place to make the right play it's kind of like the offense putting Tolbert on the field and they need him to line up correctly and he didn't line up correctly. So, you know, when you wonder why things happen during games, the Cowboys have done a great job of limiting those mistakes. But when you – a lot of this run defense stuff is not physical. There's some mental stuff that's causing them some problems as well. Jaron Curse was asked if uh, the defense is angry or frustrated or what's going on in there. It's a bit of everything uh, to go into Chicago and those guys did what they did, you know, regardless of them being the best rushing team in the league, regardless of that, you know, we have to stop that. And then uh, having a bye week and then coming back out and, and losing losing to Green Bay, how we lost to them, letting them run the ball up and down the field on us, uh, you know, you should be you should be angry, you should be frustrated. You know, if you're not, then I think we got the wrong guys on this defensive. You know, you're walking around here like everything is fine, knowing how things went for us last year against San Fran, being a big reason on why we didn't advance in the postseason last year. You know, if you're not frustrated, then we got the wrong guys on this defense. If you're not mad, we got the wrong guys on this defense. It's just all about having a sense of urgency moving forward. You know, we're 6-3. and three. The sky's not falling. But uh, if you don't have a sense of urgency moving forward with how last week went, the week before the bye went, then you need to, you need to gut check yourself and, and look, at, look at yourself in the mirror. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, that's a that's a guy with a long memory there, referencing San Francisco. Uh, yeah, but but I mean that clearly stuck with him. But I think it's interesting there when you hear J. Ron Curse talk about this, and, and he references, "Hey, if if you're not angry, or you're not frustrated, uh, then then you're not the right guy for this defense, and and you need to to gut check." 
Do you think when he says that, because he was asked if they're angry or frustrated, and he's, he's like, a lot of guys are. Do you think when he says something like that, he's more just saying, of course everybody's frustrated, because if they weren't, they wouldn't be here? Or do you think he is actually potentially calling out some complacency, like, like quietly calling out some guys he feels are being complacent? Yes, I absolutely do. I, I feel like that, you know, that, you know, maybe on that plane flight home and, you know, you're experiencing that yourselves. Now, uh, I used to experience that. And there were times after losses where the players are sitting behind you and you could hear the chatter and the noise and it would be after a loss. And you're kind of like, why do I feel worse than them? Why do I feel like that I'm hurting more than they are right now? And it might be a it, it might be something that he saw on a plane flight home. It might be something in that locker room. It might be something he's hearing in the meeting that he doesn't like that he wants to address right now. So by doing that, I think he's put on blast, as they used to say, mm-hmm. um, some of his teammates. Uh, you know, he's you know he's guilty of this stuff too. He's self reflecting himself on some of the plays that he's sure. missed. Sure. You know, uh, this guy is a, a, a great competitor, but, you know, he's he had a great season last year. I mean, I think he's been good this year. I don't think he's been as good as he was last year. Been, but been he's, hurt a lot this year. Yeah, but he's been banged up. But I clearly believe there was something that happened in the locker room after the game. There was something on the plane flight home, or there was something in the meetings or the, the get-togethers they had on Monday and Tuesday that he didn't like was what was coming from his teammates. And that's interesting. I, I mean, I, I think that's what you want. Like, uh, you know, Mike McCarthy said this week that conflict is good. Uh, that, that That's something that he welcomes whenever there's a little bit of, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a disagreement and a little bit of, uh, you know, growing pains or, or what have you. Uh, Jay Ronkers was asked about that aspect, about what Mike McCarthy had said, because I think everybody kind of got the sense, hey, the – Jay Ronkers isn't happy here, totally. Uh, Jay Ronkers was asked about Mike McCarthy's statements about conflict and, in general, uh, his thoughts on that, about accountability and conflict after a loss. You know, I think it, it, it has to come from everywhere. Uh, it can't just come from us and then the coaches not say anything, and it can't just come from the coaches and us not say anything. It has to come from everywhere. Uh, you know, everybody should be pissed off at you know, how we lost that game and, and the way things went that game. So conflict is always going to be good. Uh, but like I said, uh, it's more it's more about the individual and, and having a, a sense of urgency moving forward. Like I said, the, the sky's not falling. Uh, with six and three, we can do everything that we still want to do with this season. But uh, right now is the time to really hone in on everything and and really lock in and stop stop something, stop the bleeding. You know, I said after after we played uh, Chicago that we that we opened something up, uh, getting attacked on the edge, and uh, Green Bay came out first play, attacked us on the edge, and continued throughout the game. So you know, until we stop it, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to change uh, moving forward. It's like you've he's, said. He's not wrong. No, he is not wrong at all. I mean, I guarantee you, Bobby, and I, I, I'm sorry I interrupted you No, you're good, you there, you're good. But, but he just made me think that, you know, Minnesota's watching this tape and they're thinking like, okay, this is what Green Bay did. This is how Green Bay started the game. Even being down 14 points, Green Bay still ran the football. Yep. They just said, all right, we're going to keep running it because we feel like that's the best thing. Teams are terrified of Dallas's pass rush. I was watching – Tonight uh, in studio, uh, I was watching you know the NFL Network, and mm-hmm. you know they were the you know these guys were going back and forth to the advantages that 
you know, okay, what's the advantage for the Cowboys? What's the advantage for the Vikings? And, you know, the only advantage that they gave out of five categories to the Cowboys was pass rush. That's the only advantage, you know, quarterback, wide receivers, you know, running game. That was all in Minnesota's favor. Uh, and, you know, the, the panel was saying Dallas clearly has the best pass rush. The problem is that if you cannot get people in down and distance situations where you're rushing, having to rush the passer, that neutralizes everything that you're good at. And I guarantee you, Minnesota's looking at this right now. It's they got two really physical backs that can split carries, and they're both kind of the same type of guy when it comes to running the football. Yep. So they they have to look at that like, what's the thing that can hurt us the most? Oh wait, if Kurt drops back and gets hit by. Know, tank Lawrence and fumbles the ball, then that could hurt us. But if we hand the ball to Dalvin Cook, you know, that probably won't hurt us. You know, so I, I, he's right. When, you know, if you prove that you can't do something, that you prove you can't handle something in football, teams will, teams will try and take complete advantage of you of that. Yeah, you've said it before. Uh, you know, if you're going to – if teams turn on the tape and even if they struggle at whatever it is that, that you have an issue with, if they see it on tape, they'll go, well, we got to try it. doesn't matter that we're very good at – we're not very good at it. We at least got to try it because everybody else has right. had success with it. And, and that's the thing is that you look at – Minnesota hasn't been – as efficient with the run this year as they have been at other times. I mean, they're 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 about middle of the pack. I mean, I, I know the tape. I think when you watch the tape, you see talented running backs. But yeah, uh, the actual statistics show they they're they're about middle of the road. Um, but but certainly you got to think that Minnesota comes into this and says, "This is what we got to do. This is what we well, need to to really do to take advantage of things." Yeah. Well, last week I was talking to people in Green Bay, and I'm telling them, I'm going, "Why do you guys not run the ball?" And they're like, well, you know, we got Aaron, we got this, got that. They're making all these excuses. And I told him, I said, if you want to win this game, you'll run the ball against Dallas, Mm -hmm. you know? And they're like, well, we're not, I don't think we're, we'll, we'll load up and run the, you know, and I'm like, okay. And so what happens on Monday, you know, I get three calls, three text messages. Hey, you're right. You're (laughs) right. I go, I, that's the best path for victory for you guys. Yeah. Like dropping back and passing with the wide receivers you have, even though they made plays, you know, one guy really made plays for them. One guy. So, you know, and the Vikings, I, I could see why the Vikings throw the ball. Kirk Cousins is good throwing the ball, and they've got Jefferson and, you know, those receivers I think are good receivers. So, yeah, I mean, I don't blame them, but I also feel like that they're going to run the ball because they don't want you to get – they don't want to see that pass rush get sicked on them. One more uh, question here before we transition over to the Vikings themselves and also a little bit about what Jay Ronkers had to say about these guys. Um, do you think it's a coincidence, seeing as, as how Jay Ronkers had these really long answers loaded up for, for questions about this, do you think it's a coincidence that 11 a.m. with a, a sparse locker room, Jay Ronkers made sure he was there for media availability? I think Jay Ronkers has always been a guy – that is going to stand up and speak. I think Tank's another guy. You know, we get Tank on 105.3 The Fan every Thursday at, you know, 4.30 Central Time or right around there. You know, you got guys. I have a feeling he is going to take a similar approach to what J. Ron Kirst took today. You know, and, hey, you've got to be better. You've got to do this. Now, maybe he won't call out the position groups, but he realizes, you know, 
Tank is one of those guys that if you had you had seven tanks across the line of scrimmage, you know, seven Demarcus Lawrences, you'd play the run better because mm-hmm. he has a feel for how to get off blocks, how to knife down inside, how to play for tackles for loss, how to position himself to not get hooked, you know, cross face when he has to. I mean, he he does everything the majority of the time. I'm going to say 85% of the time when it comes to run defense to his side, he's doing the right thing. You know, he's not, like I said, running behind blocks. He's not getting hooked. Yeah. You know, he's not delayed reading the play. And I think that's been a big, big problem for these guys, uh, you know, these last few weeks. You are listening to The Love of the Star. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast, and you can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.